This episode is lots of stuff, lots of different stuff. We're going to get some call-ins. We're going to talk about Appendix N. I'm going to talk about tools. So hang on, guys. Here we go. First up, let's deal with all the boring crap and all the, <clears throat> well, you know, technical and admin stuff. So, yes, we're on iTunes, and I guess a very important thing is getting reviews and stars and stuff on iTunes. So if you're listening on iTunes, give us a thumbs up, a star, or a review, whatever. Just, just do something nice, maybe. Hey. And I know this uh, episode is getting out really slow because I worked my butt off around the house on Saturday and then was totally burned out on Sunday, so didn't get an episode uh, recorded. So it's not like the old zombie episode a few episodes ago where I was totally drained. So no grognard zombie. You know. Games, games, daco. All right, what else we got here? And what else is going on? Just learned today that there is a new wonderful bundle of holding. Um, if you pay attention to the blog, at least the old blog, I am a big Savage Worlds fan. And Graymo Publishing has the Beasts and Barbarians on the bu bundle of holding. Um, it is a really good sword and sorcery quota type uh, campaign setting for Savage Worlds. If you don't like Savage Worlds um, and you want to do sharp swords and sinister spells or crypts and things, uh, the conversion would be tough. But there's lots of stuff that you can use for inspiration and put your own spin on it. And it goes to a good cause. And this has been a completely unpaid and unaffiliated type plug for the bundle of holding. Now, on to the meat of things. All right, a lot of folks were talking about Appendix N last week. Okay, so you should know what Appendix is by now, so you don't need me saying it again. But it's the Appendix in the original AD&D DMG of inspirational material. And they were doing their personal appendix ends and commenting on the regular appendix N. Uh, there's a few things I feel didn't get enough credit when everybody else was talking about it. The first and foremost for most people is going to be in the area of movies. I heard only one person mention Hawk the Slayer. You know, I don't listen to everybody's cast. I try, try as much as I can, but I only heard one person mention Hawk the Slayer. And very few people actually mentioned the great movies of Ray Harryhausen, especially the Sinbad and the Jason and the Argonauts movies. So those are those are great appendix and materials. But I'm going to talk a little bit about my personal one. And I'm a bit weird. If you've ever stopped by the blog, and hopefully I'm doing a good job in this uh, podcast, I've got a lot of it. My appendix and when it comes to running games is based around humor. I try grimdark, but I suck at it. Even if my horror games come out weirdly humorous. So a lot of my appendix and for D&D is based on the humor books. And there are, they're out there. Now, when I was young, about all you had was uh, the good old Xanth. And the first good, uh, Piers Anthony. The first books were good, got crazy after a while. but And I stopped using a lot of puns like Xanth does. But there are plenty others that uh, struck my little fancy. Now, a lot of people talk about Thieves World by Robert Asprin. I'm going to mention the Myth Adventures series with Skeev and Oz by Robert Asprin. Let's face it, there were you two wizards, and between them they had Two spells, disguise and light a candle, and they dealt with it. And there's some witness. And speaking of Robert Asprin, if you can find this, Duncan and Mallory, a graphic novel, 
basically a knight and a dragon running con jobs. And it has one of my favorite quotes ever that I use so many times in gaming. It's, they're cheating. How do you know they're cheating? Because I'm cheating and they're still winning. And speaking of, of course, comics and graphic novels, I cannot stop, I cannot uh, go through this without mentioning back in the old days of the Dragon Magazine, Phineas Fingers. To this day, my world still has a Halfling's Thieves Guild. Now, of course, we'll go back on to more literary works. Um, of course, you can't talk about humor or about fantasy unless you talk about Terry Pratchett, which was wonderful. I enjoyed the books, but I actually enjoy the Craig Shaw Bar- excuse me, Craig Shaw Gardner books a little bit better. These are Ebenezer and one four. Once again, a wizard and his apprentice, and parts of that read like a dungeon crawl classics adventure with an apprentice miscasting spells and the powerful wizard who can't cast spells because he's allergic to magic. Plus, you have a cowardly magical sword and, of course, a rhyming demon. And, of course, the granddaddy of all humorous fantasy fiction is The Princess Bride. Really, if you haven't read the book, you really should. And if you're just going by the movie, eh, read the book. Just read the book. And that, gentle listeners, is my crazy, funny appendix. And for stuff that's not serious, it's crazy. It's a little wacky. Look up Robert Aspirin, Craig Shaw Gardner. And, well, I mean, really, I don't need to tell you to look up Princess Bride. I really shouldn't have to tell you that one. But anyway, look it up. Eh, get audiobooks. See what you like. Okay, enough rambling on my crazy uh, useless appendix in for, well, probably useless to most people. Time to move on to some call-ins. Yes, people are still commenting on this podcast. Amazing, isn't it? And first up, we've got DM Dad. Hey, Chuck, it's DM Dad again. I love the story about the Goblin War Cow. Uh, you know what would what would the game be without crazy stuff like that? That's that's what makes the game is is these preposterous things. You know those are the stories you tell over and over again, not the stories about leveling up and defeating all the bad guys easily. Um, about uh, whether or not like the kind of you know make it up as you go along world building is old school or not. I don't know if it's if it's so much old school, but I feel like there are some game masters. Maybe they're more likely to be new school game masters who they're kind of frustrated writers. They have a story and they really kind of want the players to play along in their story. And I guess like my preferred style is, well, I'm going to throw some stuff out there and then let's see what you make of it. Let's see where it goes. I am not a frustrated writer. I am not a frustrated writer. I do not have a boring day job. Okay, yeah, I do have a boring day job and a bit of a frustrated writer. Oh, thanks for calling in. Um, You know, uh, the... uh, the Goblin War Cow, and I've got more stories and coming up in more episodes of crazy stuff I've done or other players have done. I'm going to probably have an episode of the stupidest things players have said in my games. That's going to be like the next episode, I think. Stupid things players say. But, um, you know, I'm, the more I think about that, you know, my, my statement about making it up as you go along as an OSR thing, I think it's originated from the OSR before there was an OSR. But in a way, it's kind of also been taken as one of the main things of story gamers, and I don't want to get into the whole OSR versus story gamers things, and of player agency and having players contribute to the world. Um, it depends on your play style, and mine is really laissez-faire, because I'm just used to, if I do lots of planning, they'll ignore it, or, well, I'll get a better idea inspired by the players later on. And DM Dad, thanks for calling in and loving your your anchor cast too, man. 
keep up the good work. All right, thanks. All right, next up we've got Larry and Howard. Follow me and die and Goblin Stomp. These are two great guys, and if you're not listening to their podcast, you should. Hey, Chuck, this is Larry with Follow Me and Die. Just listen to your episode where I guess I help you question whether or not the uh, one-step-ahead method is an OSR method. Well, I don't know if everybody from back in the day did it that way or not. I know uh, my brother had lots of things planned out in his world that players have never seen. He even talks about some of it. And if we ever decided we wanted to go see it, he'd have it it's ready for us. I know when I first started trying to build campaigns or any game system, whether it's Boot Hill or uh, Top Secret or D&D, I always wanted to plan out everything, and it was just overkill, and it was par- paralyzing because there was just too much that had to be done. It's in recent years that I've decided simple is better. Hey Chuck, Howard from Goblin Stompcast, how you doing man? I was just listening to your last episode, lots of great voicemails, a little recap, and then your Goblin Cow story, and uh, at one point you digressed a bit and talked or asked about, you know, are guys our age or, you know, these OSR older school player guys who are doing world building, which was your last topic, a lot of them are doing it organically. Um, just sort of building out a small area and working from there. <clears throat> and you wondered if that was a trend. I, I think it is among our particular peer group. When you've spent enough time and energy building worlds, I think that you learn ultimately that this is an approach you you can take and you should take if you want to experience it in a different way than just pen, paper, desk. So pretty common for us, I think. Take it easy. Game on. Uh, yes, I played those back-to-back, and you're probably going to notice a difference in the audio because I just switched back over to Audacity rather than trying to use the web interface to record on Anchor. First, uh, thanks, guys, for calling in, both of you. Um, and like I said in that little intro to you, if somebody listening to this is not listening to Follow Me and Die or the Goblin Stompcast, listen to them. Find them right there on Anchor. And I don't want to say like we're, we're sitting here in an echo chamber, but I know crazy enough, as it seems like, yeah, it's real life is so busy of trying to get everything done and planning a whole world out that parts of it are not even going to be seen, writing it down, having the ideas in the back of your head, that's, that's good enough. And sometimes the stuff you make up on the spur of the moment lasts a lot better, better than the stuff that you... Uh, <laughs> spend hours or weeks designing and thinking of and making sure every intricate thing is okay. I know some people like that. Some people do that. I've seen plenty of blogs of people going into pre-industrial economics, and that's just not my thing. I want to kill monsters and take their stuff. And thanks both of you for calling in. And now on to the, what was supposed to be the main topic of the episode, which was tools. So what am I talking about when I say tools? I'm talking those pretty much system-neutral books, tables of charts and stuff that you can use to do whatever to your campaign or to your city or to the players that inspire and are generally a lot of times a lot of random tables. That's what I'm talking about. I usually try to start on the positive. I'm going to start on the negative to begin with because they're always popping up on DriveThruRPG or occasionally on Amazon. Very rarely on Amazon. Usually drive through RPG first or RPG now, one bookshelf. What do you want to call them? You know what I'm talking about. 
that this is the last supplement any GM needs. This is the perfect supplement for any GM or DM. This is it. This is the book to end all books. You will never need another book. Bull, you will always need another book because no book in and of itself will be perfect for each individual GM. And I have a whole stack of these things. Now, let's first, I'm going to start with the elephant in the room. In a way, it's an elephant in the room. If you haven't got Vorheim, or if you haven't heard of Vorheim, you've been living under a rock. And you've probably already made your decision whether you like it or not. So I'm just going to acknowledge that it's there. I'm going to say, I like it, and move on to other stuff. In the modern era, I like really buying these as PDFs, because this way I can just print out the page I want and not the whole book. But some of them are good enough where I get the whole book. I'm going to go back to ancient times, and there's the Judges Guild Ready Rap Sheets. E, I, I, lots of people love them. I'm kind of E on those. Another one is the Armory D30 charts. I don't think those are available anywhere, but I've still got my original copy somewhere here. But it's a D30 charts. And speaking of D30 charts, here is the D30 charts you want. We want from New Big Dragon Games. The PDFs are cheap. I got also hard copies on Lulu, the D30 Sandbox Companion, and the D30 DM Companion. Now these are pretty much, doesn't matter what edition you're using. It's more helpful if you're doing um, the old school one, because what monster stats are in there are basically old school. But, you know, if you're kind of worth your salt, it's easy to convert old school in 5e. And you can almost do it on the fly. I should also do an episode on that. Let me know what you want to hear. Um, and I've talked about uh, my city, when I was talking about cities and city supplements, those are still handy too. And there's 18 million random charts I have picked up from various blogs over the years. I have a huge notebook. And half of these things, I couldn't tell you where I got them now. But I have a huge OSR notebook, and I should put a picture of it on the blog sometime as I'm putting this up here. But it's got various charts from... Well, let's skip through the Vornheim ones. I have this one with dungeon locations, dungeon room effects, monsters, traps, treasure, forbidden artifacts, environmental artifacts, and I have no... Oh, this is from Sly Furish. Sly... <laughs> I can't talk. Sly Furish. I'm reading this in because it's so damned embarrassing. Sly Flourish. Uh, lazy DM chart. Um... Dyson's dodecahedrons, the charts for everything. I have no idea where this came from. There's a very good drunken debauchery chart from Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea that's free on their website. That's my favorite one. Uh, oh, this is all crap that I've wrote. So, uh, yeah, I should have had this book out before I was actually starting this topic. But <laughs> it's a Monday and my brain is Less fried than it was yesterday, but today at least I've got some energy. And, and plus, trying to get back on a sensible topic, there's always those little charts in each individual set of rules that, for some reason, that folks fall in love with. My favorite from AD&D is the What Happens When You Mix the Potions table. That one is one of my favorites. So, <laughs> there it is. I should have dug this crap out when I started recording this episode. But yes, the Armory's 30-sided dice gaming tables this is expressly written for the army by donald cole all armory 30-sided dice tables are suitable for with dungeons and dragons advanced dungeons and dragons rune quest chivalry and sorcery tunnels of trolls and other fantasy role-playing systems at the time i don't know if there were any that many what's the 
copyright on this. I do not think so. It is so old as a book with advertisements. Um, I do not even... Oh, copyright 1982. Um, they even used pictures of some of their minis. And it was the old D30s. If you ever remember the very, very first ones, had like the minus and the plus signs on them. But this was a set of D30 charts with everything of the usual hit locations, gemstone values, jewelry, human height and weight, which is kind of useless. Elves, dwarfs, halflings, yeah, blah, 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 blah. But random uh, mundane experience, a huge language chart. Just these handy little charts to, I don't know, give you inspiration to fill in that little hole with this we were talking about improv world building for somebody to announce... Um, so what is the price that we can get for these wolf hides or whatever? Or like in the last uh, DCC game of, so, um, how much are snails? Okay, for I rolled and, well, snails are really expensive. So apparently, um, so snails have become a local delicacy in this town and there's a high demand and therefore they're quite expensive to buy. I'm talking about to eat, guys, come on. Okay, I'm, I'm going to call this one because right now I'm so scatterbrained and everything else. And hopefully this episode will at least uh, maybe entertain and enlighten you if you can make any sense out of it. And no, I'm not drunk. It's just Monday. I screwed up my normal routine and uh, got about a half a dozen irons in the fire. So <laughs> please forgive me after this episode or at least laugh wholeheartedly. Um, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff. Thanks for listening. And have a great week, guys. I promise the next one will be better, or at least more organized. Hopefully funny, because, yeah, it's got to be stupid things players have said in my game. So stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B, not B, spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook and just search for They Might Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. Intro music is Metal Mania by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution License. Please visit his website at incompetech.com. That's incompetech.com. Really, visit it. There's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper. Additional sound effects from freesound.org, used under Creative Commons 01.0 Universal License.